Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. And if you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do that and uh, ring the bell so we can send you notifications and be sure to hit the like button as well. That helps us out. And uh, you probably already know this, but I'll tell you again, if you would like the email devotion that comes along with this lesson, go to myfaithroots.com and sign up there for the free email and we'll get you that every day. All right, let's go to our text, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. You had no connection with Christ. You were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel outside God's covenants and the promise that comes with them. Aren't you glad that's not the case? We have come into the family of the covenant promises by believing in Christ. Jesus released a daughter of Abraham who had been suffering for 18 long years. And I want to read the story to you. It's from the Gospel of Luke. And it says, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. Um, that means that this condition she had was the direct result of a demonic spirit. It was not just a medical condition. It was not just a purely physical ailment. It was the result of a demonic power. Now, I, I believe that most sickness and disease is caused by a, a strictly a medical issue, but this was a spiritual thing as well. This woman was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him, and he said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Man, what a great story. And, and the Bible says, But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Keep that word in mind, ought to work. Therefore come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for the glorious things that were done by him. Now, the Bible says she was in no wise able to lift herself. The Greek reads it like this, she was unable to the uttermost. I mean, there was absolutely nothing that could have been done to straighten her out. There was a demonic presence that was holding this person in bondage. You know, uh, in, in, in my study of demonic powers, one of the things I notice is that the spirits seem to have very specific, uh, uh, they have specific assignments. There are lying spirits, apparently. The, that's all they do is they cause people to lie and they create habitual lying in people. There are spirits of infirmity. In this one, it bent the woman over. 
and its presence was there for that particular manifestation. There seemed to be spirits that hindered people in their ability to hear. There were deaf spirits and dumb spirits uh, that, that kept people from being able to speak. And so these spirits uh, were able to, uh, to oppress people in a very particular way. And again, I don't believe that every single medical condition is the result of a demonic power, but there were certainly uh, loads of people oppressed by demonic things and demonic spirits in Jesus' day. Now, this condition had been going on for 18 years, and that was one thing about Jesus' ministry that was very characteristic. He healed loads of people who had long-term conditions. And you read that, and, and that, that's something a little different. You know, a lot of the healing that we see today is uh, uh, people who've been healed uh, of things that they've only had for a short season. And, but when people have had a condition for like this woman, 18 years, she's probably given up and probably doesn't have any expectation of, of, of any uh, recovery. There's nothing in the story that says that she came to Jesus for healing or that she had faith. This is just the goodness of God because she is a covenant daughter of Abraham. And uh, she has been bound. There is this bond. And it's a Greek word which is also translated string. The Bible talks about a man who couldn't speak and how the string of his tongue was loosed or the bond. So this spirit had to be rebuked in order for the body to work the way that it was supposed to work. And uh, Jesus understood that and, and did that. He rebuked that deaf spirit, or that spirit of infirmity rather, and, uh, and, and this thing had to leave. And she was instantly healed. Now, this woman lived and worshipped in an atmosphere of unbelief. Now, how do I know that? Well, this is her pastor. He's the ruler of the synagogue where she attends. And so we would call this guy pastor today. The ruler of the synagogue answered after she's healed. He said, there are six days in which men ought to work, therefore come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. He's speaking to this woman in front of all of the crowd, and he's humiliating her and criticizing her, saying that she should be healed on a day other than the Sabbath, and then it's a slam on Jesus and boy, you talk about a hypocrite. He is a hypocrite. Now, Jesus normally didn't rebuke people publicly, but when they were hypocritical, he jumped right in the middle of them. And the kind of hypocrite he detested the most was the religious hypocrite. And uh, this uh, hypocrite said, men ought to work on the six days. Jesus comes back and says, so ought not this woman. He uses the man's ought against him. He comes right back. And uh, he corrects this man. And so uh, this woman should have been healed before, but this man never wanted to be used of God. He had no care about this woman. He was not a shepherd. Uh, her healing didn't matter to him or anybody else in the synagogue uh, that we know of, n certainly none of the leaders there. Uh, so this woman, even though she has a right to this, and she is a daughter of Abraham, and Jesus says she should be healed because she's a daughter of Abraham, covenant blessings can be stolen, they can be denied, and they can be withheld by the enemy. 
And this idea that you are a son or daughter of Abraham because you belong to Christ, it doesn't mean that those blessings are going to be yours automatically. You will have to believe for them. And someone will have to stand in power. In most cases, it's going to be you. Now, I believe that one of the reasons Jesus had great authority and power is because he lived a life of prayer and he also fasted and he lived in the zone. And I have to tell you from my own experience that my spiritual authority goes up and down based upon the levels of devotion that I have exercised. I mean, if I have taken a lot of time to pray, if I have been in the zone, if I have done some fasting, I'm much more aware of my spiritual authority than I am when I've been really busy. Now, that doesn't mean that it's wrong to be busy, and it doesn't mean that you can maintain the same level of authority all the time. Now, Jesus did because he was amazing in his concentration and focus on the presence of God. But it is something that we can work on. And uh, at one time when his disciples told him that we tried to cast out this demon, we couldn't do it. And they said, why couldn't we cast him out? And he said, well, this kind goes not out but by prayer and fasting. The idea is that there are certain classes of evil spirits that seem to have a little more authority than others. They're not all of the same class. So you have gone along in your life and you've resisted the devil and you've gotten by with so much of your devotion and it worked. But then you run up against a trial that's tougher than the one you faced before. It doesn't mean that God can't help you. It means that you're going to have to rise to a new level of authority, that you're going to have to become a little bit more aware of His presence. You're going to have to become more aware of His covenant promises, and you have to become more aware of your faith level. And uh, that's what Jesus lived in. Now, covenant blessings then have to be fought for. They can be hindered by the enemy. And uh, what you can see here is there was an atmosphere in this synagogue that was so negative that uh, this woman is not about to be healed by ordinary services in this synagogue because of the people like the leader. Now, the people rejoiced. They, they rejoiced when this woman was healed, uh, but the, the leader was not there to rejoice. And apparently there was another little pocket of people just like him. Now let me read you this, Luke 13, 17. When he said these things, all his adversaries, not just the ruler of the synagogue, but he was only one of the adversaries. There were others there. They were put to shame and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. It also tells me that Jesus probably healed other people. This was the most notable healing, but he did other things there that were glorious. Now, I have to ask you something. Where is the rejoicing? And, and this is important. When you read the stories of Jesus' ministry and the healings and the wonderful things that he did, the rejoicing was always in the deliverance. There is no record ever of anyone who is sick that Jesus goes to and says, let's rejoice in the fact that you're oppressed. Let's rejoice in the fact that you don't have an answer. And it's really kind of sad because there are people today in religious places who are being taught that you should somehow rejoice in your suffering. Listen to me carefully. You can rejoice in it but not because of it. 
God wants you delivered. When the scripture says we rejoice in things or we thank God for things, we are thanking God for the answers. We are thanking God for the victory that we have. We are thanking God for his provision, never for the problem. I know in the book of Ephesians it talks about thanking God for all things. And uh, Kenneth Wiest in his great commentary on the New Testament says, the all things here have to be taken in the context of what is written. And he's talking about the all things that have been given to us, all spiritual blessings that have been given to us in Christ. And so those are the things that we thank God for. But the idea that we're thanking God for suffering, we're thanking God for horrible things that have happened in our families. Let me tell you something. I'm convinced that we live beneath our privileges, that many of God's people do not know fully about what God wants them to have. And can I tell you where a lot of people get into trouble? A lot of people fail because they have second-hand faith. They hear about someone else's faith. They hear someone else give testimony. They hear someone else's story. And without bothering to develop their own strong faith, without bothering to develop their own real intimacy with God and a deep knowledge of God and of His promises, they will begin to quote scriptures or quickly claim scriptures because it's something I've heard someone else do. And they don't have the same results. And, and listen, and when you don't receive, I am not condemning you and I'm not beating you up and saying shame on you. But I'm saying that the best way to avoid defeat is to be immersed in the things of God and in the promises of God. And this is what I've seen. I've never seen anyone who was immersed in the scriptures. And I mean, they spent time and time and time again praying and they knew the word and they had great faith in God. I've not seen these people be oppressed. And there's a difference between persecution and oppression. In the book of Hebrews, there are a number of people at the end of the 11th chapter who are, are singled out. They were persecuted but they are not celebrated because they were oppressed. There is never any place in Scripture where we see people are celebrated because they lived in oppression. Big difference between persecution and oppression. And that's why it's so important that you learn the promises of God. Let's go back and let's read this in Ephesians chapter 2 again. You had no connection with Christ you were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and outside God's covenants and the promise that comes with them. Now, if we are in the same boat as all the people of the world, if we are just like our neighbors who know nothing of God, if that's the way we are to live, then why does Paul tell us here, that we are not like these people or that we are different, that we now are in covenant and a covenant that has promise. He says we're inside the covenant. These covenants have promise, and that's what he's teaching us. 
And so the notion that we're just like everybody else, that's not God's idea. God wants to bless us greatly. Well, that's all the time I have today. We'll pick up here tomorrow, so don't miss the next podcast. Thank you very much.